Today, learn how purpose, intention, and connection can help you empower your team. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Braith Bamkin is the executive director of BNI Melbourne Central, where he's helped over 2,200 business owners find success. Braith is well-versed in leadership, marketing, and storytelling, having spent decades honing the craft. Through his experience as a leader, he's developed several models to help others replicate the successes he's observed and embodied. And today, we're going to learn more about them. Braith, welcome to Unbound. Thank you very much, Chris. I've been very much looking forward to our uh, recording today. Me too. This has been uh, one on my list that I've just been anxiously <laughs> awaiting. And so let's, let's jump right in. Uh, let, cool. Let's tell, uh, tell the audience kind of your backstory. Ah, well, how far back do you want to go? I actually should have asked you yeah. that before. before, yeah. before. <laughs> That's where everyone asked me that. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, we, can, we can go back as far as you think is interesting. <laughs> well, actually, everyone is interesting. That's what, something I'm going to say out of the gate. Um, one of the things that I've learned with working with people is a lot of people think that their life isn't interesting, but every single one of us has a fascinating life that when you share that knowledge and that, that story with people, there is always something to learn from everyone that you meet, which is why you should be more interested than interesting with every person that yeah. you meet. So that's just, that's tip one out of the gate, mate. Yeah. But, <laughs> right. Great advice. All right. That's the show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <Good> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So look, if I think back to my very first serious job, I, was driving along the Harbour Bridge with the boss, uh, the woman that started that company. I was brand new in this business. It was a commercial textile business. And we were selling to architects and interior designers. And it was the 80s. Uh, you wouldn't even know, know the 80s. But the 80s were a good time, <laughs> particularly in Australia. We, we were coming of age then. And we had a big bicentenary celebration at the end of the 80s. So there was a lot of stuff going on, in, in particularly in Sydney. And she said, as we drive across the Harbour Bridge, uh, Braith, if you want to succeed in this business, you need to learn how to network. And I sat there and I was 20 something and I had no idea what that word meant. And, you know, I, I sat through the meetings during the day and as we were coming back across the bridge to, to the office in the afternoon, I said, Judith, what did you mean by networking? And she said, I'm really glad you asked. And then she spent the next couple of years mentoring me on the true and fine art of networking. And I am forever grateful for that because some of the stories that uh, you know I, I learned from her were, was that it's really important to care about other people before you care about yourself first and help other people before you want something from them. Because if you do that, stuff will come to you no matter what. And so all through my business life, my business journey, I have always tried to add value to people, tried to help people before I asked for stuff. And so I worked for years in that textile industry that I moved. There's only so many minutes of fabric you can sell. So I moved into um telco industry and i was there when nokia released those really small phones you probably don't remember them but little yeah, tiny three series that were indestructible yeah, yeah yeah they were they still are i mean if you have them now they're collector's items kids love them but right. i don't know if you know this little game called snake there's a little game called snake on it we, yeah. we had 
a, a three-hour training session on how to play Snake. I mean, it's the most basic thing. And then what we were asked to do was go out into cafes and like loudly play that game so that people could come over and look at it. It was a marketing tool. So people would come over and, wow, what's this? This is Nokia's three series. And they were like, blown away it was amazing so it was a really really cool <laughs> thing to be part of and you know I, yeah. we laugh now right. but you know uh back in the day it was groundbreaking to have that on the telephone it's it is quite funny now to think about it and then i worked in telco for a while took a redundancy and did the big overseas trip came back got involved in a mattress business and through that mattress business i was a national sales and marketing manager i'd bought one of their franchises as well. And I said to the other franchisees at one of our sales trainings, guys, if you want to do well in this business, you need to learn how to network. And one of the franchisees turned around to me and said, Braith, where are you networking? I went, yeah, kind of dropped that skill set a bit. So the very next week I went along to a, a BNI meeting that somebody had been hounding me to go to for ages and I'd be like, no, too busy, too busy. Uh, and uh, you know, I was wearing busy like a badge. Uh, and I went to it and the rest is history. I ended up uh, loving it, becoming a, um, a fantastic member, ended up buying the business because it was so good. And, and that has really led me and opened so many doors. And now people get me to come in and uh, as a keynote speaker at conferences uh, where I talk about leadership, uh, connection, uh, I'm, and I'm writing a really cool book. I haven't told you about this, Chris. It's a, a really good book called Myth Busting, The, the Busy Myth Busted. It's all about why really successful people never use the word busy. And you heard me say that I used to wear it as a badge. Um, right. but there's a whole, uh, I've learned over the years that uh, busy is something that people use as an excuse for a whole lot of stuff. So I'm on a mission to stop people using the word busy because I've observed that the most successful people, the most successful leaders that are, are in my orbit never use that term because they're always available and they're always present for you, even if they have a lot of stuff on, right? Right. So there was your origin story, mate. You got a lot there. Yeah. No, and that's man. Now I'm excited for the book too. Uh, yeah, well, the busyness piece, though. Just, I mean, just going off that, it, the amount of times in my life I've realized, like, I wanted to say I'm busy, and I'm like, well, I just spent 20 minutes doing that, and I didn't need to. So, like, am I really busy, or am I just making bad choices? Yeah. Well, look, you know, the ter the word busy up until the industrial era really was about survival like you know if you weren't busy tilling the fields and you know creating mm -hmm. your you know, food and and your shelter you just didn't survive right so that was right. a reasonable thing to say but you know as we moved through society and we are now in and the post uh, in the digital age you know we use it kind of like a, a shield and somehow in our society we have come to believe that somehow being busy elevates our um, importance or mm -hmm. our relevance in society and somehow the notion that we're not busy somehow means that we're lesser than whereas right. you know the really successful people that I get to hang with they are they seem to have a lot of time they seem to have the ability to do a lot of stuff and you know, if you want to get stuff done, you, you know, that's saying you go to a busy person, but they will never say they're busy. They will either make it a priority or they won't, you know, but they will give you right. the time of day. And I've observed over the years the language that people use and 
you know, I see people come up to them and, and say, oh, I've got this great idea. And instead of saying, I'm really busy, come back later, they go, you know, I've, I've got five minutes before my next meeting. Give me a, a snapshot. So they, they will give you that time and they're fully present. They will mm-hmm. look you in the eyes. They will listen to you and you are the, the only person that is important. And you know, they'll listen to your idea. And if it's great, they'll say, okay, well, I've got another thing to, to get to. Let's carry this on. Let's make an appointment. Or they'll say, this is a really fantastic idea. Don't think it's the right thing for us now. But, you know, maybe if you came back and massaged that. So they never shut, those, they never shut people down. They always encourage them and they're always appreciative that they've come to them with yeah. an idea. And if I think back to that original boss of mine, I, I went to her with an idea once that I look back at it now and I think, oh my gosh, it was so crazy. Uh, and I'd spent all these, you know, a whole weekend preparing this presentation for her and it was just not right for that business. But I was young, so I was having a crack. And she never... She never belittled me. She never made me feel like it was a waste of time. She was so appreciative that I had brought that to her. And years later, I looked back at that and I realized that I put my heart and soul into this and she never shut me down. She never made me feel like I'd done something wrong. And I was able to come to her with other ideas in the future because I knew that she would be open to listening, right? So if she'd have just said, Bray, that's crap, I'm never going to do that, or it's right. not right for our business, or you know, in two minutes, shut me down, that behavioral pattern would have started to set in with me. You know, it's very Pavlovian, yeah. but you shut somebody down and they're not right. going to want to present again. So, you know, I'm really excited about this book. I've been writing it for about a, a month, and it, it's really the culmination of spending time with really cool people. And you know, I, I really hope that uh, I can get rid of that busy word from our language. Yeah, I wonder just on on the use of busy and and the like negative associations around being not busy. I wonder how much that's just uh, spawned through like hustle culture. Yeah, the, totally. Like where. Being not busy means you're lazy. Totally. It's like you're not achieving your potential. That's that's what I think we've come to associate not busy with. And somehow you're lesser if you aren't fully engaged in everything all of the time. But some of the most successful people I know, and I get to hang with some pretty cool people, they, they make a point of carving time out to just be and, you know, I think unless you actually get to take time out of doing and just being, you know, your time doing is less impactful because we've all got to do stuff, right? So we've all got to get stuff done. Yeah. But if we're in that space all the time, and we were just talking about this um, before we got on, on, the, on the recording, um, the, the body can't tell real from fake. So if you're creating this frenzy of phonetic frenzy, your body is going to think that, you know, things are high stress. So you're telling your body by this act of busy that you're stressed. It's it's like the body is going to take that away and it's going to bank that. It's going to, this guy is stressed. I'm stressed. I'm going to pull the stuff out that stress looks like. And it's telling your body to slow down, but we as Westerners don't do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you have worked with a lot of business owners. I have uh, over your your tenure. I want to talk about some of the patterns that you consistently see businesses struggle with. 
Well, the, one of the things that I know is a killer for businesses because I've seen it over and over again is when they're not clear about the purpose of their business and who they are serving and why. And that comes back to an, a real extension of your target market. But, you know, I align purpose with the, the word vision. You know, years ago, everyone said you've got to have vision, mission, and values. So I use that um, triad as um, purpose, intention, and connection. So I think purpose is really what are you there, what's your business there to do or what are you as an individual there to do? So everything I talk about, you know, it can be a business or, or a person. You know, what's the intention? So what are you going to do to get you to your purpose? So that's your, your mission. And then how are you going to connect? So that they're the values that you, you have in yourself or in your business. And so if you're really clear about that, then people are going to come with you for your journey. And, you know, I'm sure you and all of your listeners, and we were talking off air about some authors that we really like and that, and, you know, when you find somebody who really resonates with you and your journey, it's because they're very clear about who they're serving. And they're serving me because if I'm connected, if I'm like, I'm on your journey with you, then I feel that we're aligned. So they are speaking to me. And it comes back to in marketing, target marketing, if you don't know your avatar, uh, it's very hard to connect to your audience because unless you have the marketing budget of Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. you can't advertise to everyone. You can't communicate right. to everyone, right? You've got to, you've got to be really clear. And so many business people want to be everything to everyone and end up being nothing to no one. Or if they are, it's a lot of hard work and they're always spinning to get new business and, you know, clients don't stay. So your attention's lower or customers don't return. So you're not getting repeat sales. You know, in, in my mattress store, I, I knew that I was very aligned to chiros and physios that work with people who had significant injury. And so they're the people I spoke to. And so they would come back time and time again with their clients. So I had this endless stream of referrals coming into my business, right? Because I knew who I was talking to and everything we did, we spoke to those people. And of course, I got people who just randomly came in and wanted a bed or people who heard we help people with bad back. People can work out what you do if, if they want your product or service. Clarity. Clarity. Um, that is, so, I mean, that's one of the big things that I work with clients on, where if we can just build our awareness, build our ability to communicate, right? A lot of clarity just happens naturally. Yeah. Um, do you find when you're working with clients that don't have clarity, they're in a state of anxiety because they don't know what they're doing and they're kind of like they're spinning their wheels? Right. And it, it turns into just stagnation yeah. and then they have this inability to make decisions. Analysis paralysis, right? Because they're there. Which actually leads us into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, which was just how intentionality can improve the decision-making process. Yeah, because when you are intentional about who you're connecting with and the, and the pathway that you're going, so your mission, when you're very intentional about that, uh, people that you're trying to connect with uh, will, will resonate with, with the message and they will understand that you're the real deal. You know, you see people out there, you see businesses out there, and, and particularly today in the, the digital world, and something about them, you, you know, it does, if they feel icky or you, you feel mm -hmm. that they're not genuine, that's a word that people use a lot today, disingenuous, 
but you just know that that person isn't right for you. And that's because their intentionality isn't there. So they haven't either got a real clarity on who they're serving and why, or it's just not you. Like, you know, I'm, I am not going to buy stuff from a 22-year-old um, influence uh, on Instagram who's selling, you know, some health thing because I'm just not going to resonate with that person, right? So their intention is not to talk to me. So their language isn't going to resonate with me. Uh, right. The way they present in the world isn't going to fit for me. But, you know, you get somebody who uses the language that I would use, uses the imagery that I would use, uh, has the, the look and feel that I feel comfortable with. I'm going to follow you until, you know, that journey comes to a natural conclusion because we're on the same pathway. And so, I mean, I've noticed personally, even even when I was being mostly intentional or felt like I was being intentional, yeah. right? I was still at times losing focus yeah. to maintain that intentionality. And so I had to like incorporate things into my, my setup where if someone came into my office, I would get out from behind my desk, move around and sit next to them so that everything at the computer, everything on my desk kind of went away. And now my, my intention is whatever we need to work through in this yeah. conversation. Um, do you find a lot of leaders just struggle with being able to, in the moment, even just maintain that intentionality on what do I need to do in order to get the job done right now? I think when you are really clear about what your purpose is, you can make decisions much more easily than if you don't know. So you can make a decision as to whether this distraction or this thing that's come into your space is appropriate. Um, do, have you ever read the book, The One Thing? Yes. Uh, yeah, Gary I Keller. Mean, Gary Keller, yep. yeah, and Jay Papsan. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I love that book. I really enjoy the theory behind that. You know, what's your one big thing? that's going to get you to where you want to go. And so you always, I always try and focus on my one big thing. And if something comes into my orbit that isn't my one big thing, it doesn't help me to get my purpose. It's not part of my intention to get to my one big thing. I can very easily say no to that. Mm -hmm. I can, and if it's a person, I can do it politely. Or if it's a distraction, I can go, you know, am I going to do this or go down this pathway? Well, if I know that that's not going to get me to my one big thing because it's not intentional for me it's not going to get me to my purpose i just say no to it okay. and i never feel bad about that and i see the most successful leaders that i get to hang with that they don't have a problem saying no and they do it in a way that somehow you feel like it was a nice no you know there's mm -hmm. a good no and a bad no right so people who are really clear about their direction and why they want to get there and they're myopic in their journey and they say, no, this isn't right for me right now, or I can't accommodate this right now. You just never feel like you've been slapped and moved away. You kind of go, okay, yeah. I get that. Because I see where you're going and I respect where you're mm -hmm. going. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of strategy, right? Is that you're, you're saying yes to some things and saying no to others and being able to stay direct in that. Um, I think yeah. it was uh, Essentialism, uh, the book Greg yeah. McGowan. Uh, yeah. he, he has a series of ways you can say no. And, and I've used them where it's like when someone tries putting something on my plate, it's like, okay, I can do this, but what do you want me to set down so I can focus on yeah. this? And that immediately yeah. gets someone to shift their thinking and say, okay, how important is this compared to whatever I just gave them? And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, lo I love that using that one. 
Yeah, well, Dr. Ivan Meisen, the founder of BNI, has a really great way of mm-hmm. dealing with this because sometimes in BNI chapters you might have some internal conflict because you get 40 or 50 entrepreneurs together and, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of ego in a room with 40 right. entrepreneurs so, and that's okay. Um, but sometimes they get sidetracked by stuff that doesn't really matter. In, in Melbourne, we're very coffee-focused and the number of people that complain about the bad coffee because, you know, that's our culture in Melbourne. You know, right. But Ivan says there's a really great way you respond to that. You say, is that on mission? And, of course, if you know what the, the organization's mission is or the intention of the organization, you can quickly say, is this on mission? Is this intentional for us? Clearly not. Let it go. We can let it go. And then people either make a choice to let it go and move on or to grab hold of it and make it an issue. And then they basically isolate themselves from the group or they disengage themselves from their, their, their credibility goes out the door. Right. And, but, yeah. you know, so I love yeah. that. Is this on mission? Yeah, that is a great way to, uh, really? to frame it. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to go back to kind of your three, I guess, pillars, would you call them, of uh, yeah. purpose, intention, connection. How, yeah. how do you kind of link these so that you're, you're able to better care for the people on your teams? Yeah, so I have a, this model with uh, intention at the top, uh, purpose on the left and connection on the right. And in the middle, I have a heart with people in the middle. So I believe that the most successful people that I've seen really uh, see that people are the driver for everything they do. So it's either people in their business or people in their lives. Uh, mm-hmm. And when the... Uh, focus is not on themselves because when people are focused on themselves as the end game they're the people that you feel that icky factor with because Mm -hmm. you know they're the people that just you you go there's something not quite right here or i would say they're not the real deal so you know when i met you i could tell you're the real deal because you care about other people i can tell you i can tell the way that you navigate the world that you are really looking at the way you can impact people in your world. So the work that you do, uh, your, your your previous life. Uh, in in the, do you talk about being in the services on your podcast, or yeah. have I just dropped something there? All right, yeah. So your previous life <laughs> in the services. I, I didn't know. What, I, 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 oh goodness, have I gone down a path I shouldn't go down? But you know that so that that's somebody who you know has a focus in their life of serving other people and the work that you do where you serve other people to get them through their leadership journey. I mean, that that's a really amazing way of navigating the world to help other people first. So when you have people in the center of, of those three pillars and everything you do, you come back to that. How is this going to work to, to support the people in my world, either my team, my customers or my family, because they're the three things, right? So, right. Everything comes back to people. Right. Uh, and so I guess now let, let's just get into the actual leadership of a team. You're, right. You're yeah. already focusing on those pillars, bringing it back to actually work with them to give them everything they need. And you've also told stories about how your leaders were empowering you. What yep. are, how do you help other leaders just empower their teams you know, through yeah, this? Yeah. So they can, you can get the most from them. Yeah, well, the first thing I, I always say is, you know, what what is what where are you going? What's the journey that you're on? Because if you don't know that journey, then you can't bring people with you. Because if you cannot communicate mm-hmm. the the purpose of your 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 team or your business, 
people just simply will not come for the journey with you. And once you are clear about that and you're clear about you, you, the mission in your business, that that's the intention, people make choices. They either want to come for the journey or they don't. And if they want to come for the journey, they will be all in. If they are aware that uh, you are you're really clear about where you are in, in your journey and what the business is doing, what you're doing as a person, they will jump on board and people will go to the ends of the earth to support somebody that they see is very focused and very intentional and has a very clear mm-hmm. purpose. And everything they do lines up with their values because if you know what my values are and you respect that, you don't have to be the same values as yours, but you can respect that. And you know that when I make decisions, everything is aligned to my values, then you can be respected and uh, people will come with you on that journey. So I remember when I was in telco, uh, I learned from one of my managers there that the most important meeting of the week was your one-to-one catch-up with your individual team members. And I had mm-hmm. six individual team members. And he said to me, whatever you do, Braith, never cancel those meetings. Because it's, you know, it's very easy to cancel those sort of right. meetings because stuff comes up. But he said, never cancel those meetings because without those people, you will never achieve what you have set out to achieve in your team. And that really stu- stuck with me and it stuck with me through my, my journey in BNI because I've watched people in BNI always, the, the super successful people in BNI always have time to invest in their fellow chapter mates or uh, and so in the BNI context, but in their business, their own, uh, their own people. And it's that investment in people and listening to what they need and how you can help them. And the, the best thing I learned was I, one question that I always, my, my boss at three told me, always ask this question, how can I help you this week? It is mm-hmm. such an easy question and I love it. How can I help you? It's just the best question. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. people will say, you know, they just want to be heard or, you know, everything's right. good. But if you genuinely ask that question and you look somebody in the eyes when you do it, because you've got to be the real deal, and they know that you will be there to listen and help them with the answer, you can get people to do anything for you because they will see you as as a true leader. I'm sure you saw that in your own journey in the services that, you know, if you're not there for your people, they're not going to come with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are two questions I like to ask in any given situation with a person. And it's because they're asking this in their own heads, even if they don't know it. Am I safe? Do I matter? And if you can address those two questions for them, right, you're you're giving them everything they need to start showing up for you. And so like what you're saying, what what can I do for you to help this week? Yeah. Right now they're they're gonna feel safe because they they know they have you that they can count on. And they're gonna feel like what they're doing matters because you as the leader are willing to come down and actually help them. With doing yeah. this, it goes yeah. a long way. Yeah, and I think at the moment, with the culture of busy, people just don't carve out the time to sit down one-on-one, mm-hmm. look people in the eye and give them the time that they deserve. Because if people are working for you in a team uh, and they're reporting to you, you know, that is a that is a privilege you should never take for granted. Right. Well, and it's like you you hire them to be experts. Right, to do a specific Correct. job so that you don't have to. Yeah. And so 
I think giving them a, a little bit of time to make sure they have what they need to keep everything running is, should be and, easier. You know, the other thing I see really cool leaders do is they celebrate success. They really mm-hmm. celebrate success. And it's not always, you know, the big office party or, you know, taking people out for lunch. It, it can be as simple as just, a, you know, you did a good job. But how often do people say that? It's so easy to get caught up in right. the doing that you forget to take time out to say, Chris, you did a great job. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And you know, I know in myself when somebody says that to me, it's like, wow, I got noticed. I mean, I was with two mm-hmm. of my team members yesterday and we were, we're, we're getting ready for our big awards event next week. And, you know, at the end of it, I, I just said, you know, guys, I just really appreciate everything you've done. You are awesome. And what you've done is an amazing job. And you could see them just really you know, feel proud and their chest sort of swelled up and they, they were re- really appreciate And they both said, oh, thank you so much. Thanks for noting because they've done a lot of work and I really appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. I get to rock up and just be a rock star on the day and they've all done the work. That rocking up on a stage like a rock star does not happen without a lot of people doing a lot right. of stuff to get you there. So never, never forget to thank the people that get you there on the way. Actually, one thing that I, I want to share with you that I got taught when I was learning to be a keynote speaker was always go up to the tech people before and after your presentation to thank them. Say, hey, my name is Braith. Introduce yourself. I'm speaking. And at the end of, of that, always thank them. So I, I use that wherever I go, even if I'm not keynote speaking. I, I think you always thank the wait staff or the service staff in an yeah. event or you know uh if you're if you're in a space where you're in a cafe always thank people but it's it's an easy thing to do but the impact is beyond imaginable That's amazing right no one has ever been hurt from a pat on the back no nah, right yeah and uh but even the other personal story the other day I, it was a long day at work a couple things went wrong we were working on it and my youngest daughter walked in and just gave me a hug and said, thank you for, for working for us. Uh-huh. And it was just like that little thing was like, boom, I got this. And right now I'm like re- recentered. I'm good. Like it was just like this small amount of appreciation. I don't think she knew what she was doing. Like she was just wanted to come in and say something nice to me. Well, and she said she the probably, right thing. <laughs> she probably did know what she was doing. You know, kids are really intuitive. They yeah. pick up on what's going on and, you know, good on That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell that story at her 21st birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember that one time. You appreciated it that one time. I remember it. So, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I love it. Yeah, so appreciation does go a long way. All right, so Braith, one of the things that you turned me on to, yeah. and uh, I now pass off to a bunch of other people to take this assessment, is the Sparkotype. Yep. And I, I wanted to talk to you about, really, what's drawn you to this assessment over things like Myers-Briggs yep. and the DISC assessment yep. in order to kind of see the motivations of people and how you can better work with them. Yep, cool. I, I love I love that we're talking about this because it's one of the most impactful things I've ever done in my my, my business life. Uh, Sparkotype it, it was uh, created by a guy called uh, Jonathan Fields, and he has an amazing book called uh, How to Live a Good Life, and I really recommend everybody reads that book. It's uh, a really 
great way of looking at how to have the best life that you possibly can. So business mm-hmm. or non-business people, really great book. But he also has a great podcast called The Good Life Podcast. And, and he works with amazing human beings. And when you get to be in the orbit of amazing human beings, you get to pick up on stuff. And he came up with this idea that uh, a lot of personality tests don't really give you an idea of what lights you up in your life. So he mm-hmm. spent a lot of time researching how to create this program called the Sparkotype. So when you do the assessment, you can do it for free, sparkotype.com. Uh, you can pay 20 bucks and get the extended assessment, but you can get the free one. And I, you know, the free one is, is good enough and uh, you'll, uh, you'll love what you get out of that. But what you get is three things. You get the anti-sparkotype and the secondary sparkotype and your primary sparkotype. So the anti-sparkotype is the stuff that drags you down. It's the stuff that you know you know in your life you just it just doesn't make you happy doesn't light you up it's just, it's like you're in 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 well Ivan Meisner talks about being in your wax not in your flames when you when you're in your wax it's you know it's hard work when you're in your flame you light up so the secondary spark type is the stuff that you do to support your primary spark type and your primary spark type is the stuff that absolutely lights you up. Now, what it doesn't do is go and say, Braith, become a, a, a doctor, a lawyer, or a, 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 an electrician. It tells you the sort of stuff that lights you up. So my anti-sparkotype is uh, uh, stuff that uh, I absolutely hate doing. So that is the essentialist. Like that is distilling information and making sense out of it, process stuff. I hate it. It drags me down. So I hire really cool people to do that sort of stuff for me. I have an amazing operations manager and she loves process. She loves putting a system to things. I'm like, wow, this is a match made in heaven. My secondary spark type is a sage. So it's to share knowledge. I love sharing knowledge. I, I think that I'm very lucky that I've been put in some amazing situations in my life. And I think it's incumbent upon me to share that knowledge with as many people as, as I can to make their lives easier. And my primary sparky type, which should come as no surprise to you or the listeners, uh, is a performer. And so I love speaking on stage. I know a lot of people find that scary, but I love keynote presenting. I love sharing that knowledge. And, you know, my ego gets lit up by that. You know, we all have an ego. Let's be real about it. And so it's good that that's a resourceful way that my ego can, can get met. So there's 10 sparky types. So it's not going to tell you specifically what job to do, but when you know what lights you up, you can find mm-hmm. that in any work that you do. And a great example is a barista. If you were a barista and you were making coffee, you could just, it could be a drudge job. It could be awful. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I'd actually quite like it, I think. But, you know, I think that it could for some people be just a job job if you're in a busy cafe. But if you're Sparkotype is like me to be a performer. You could be behind that coffee machine. You could be chatting with the customers. You could be making the coffee. You could be making those beautiful shapes on the top of the coffee. You could be you know, chatting away about your day and their day, and you could be really performing really well. Right. But if you are the person that loves to teach, maybe what you are is a person that shows people right. in a cafe how to make the really great coffee because you know how to make the best coffee but maybe you're the systems person. So instead of uh, being the performer, you're actually teaching people how the system of coffee getting made really, really well can uh, really elevate that cafe. So you create a system where the coffee can get made faster, better, 
and can more consistently. So no matter what sparks you or what lights you up, you can find something in your job that lights you up. But what you'll also realize is sometimes your job just isn't the place that can light you up. And maybe you need to find that in your personal life. And so sometimes a job is just a means to an end. And in your personal life, you can find stuff that really lights you up so that your job achieves what it needs to achieve, pays the bills. Then you can go home and paint, create your art or do your yoga or sing or whatever it is that, you know, makes your heart joyous. Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about that. I was actually, Yeah. (laughs) No, and that's and that's why I was excited to just share my results with you when I when I took it yeah. like right after we had first talked, and uh, it actually surprised me that I was a, a sage and then warrior. Um, I know I've always liked teaching people and stuff, but I never thought that would be my primary. And it was just really interesting to kind of look at what I'm doing now and how I'm feeling charged yeah. coming out of like podcast episodes and like just talking to people and how that's. A, it's, it feels right. Well, I kind of, I kind of sense that you might be a sage when we first met because you clearly like to share your knowledge, and you're a very accomplished uh, individual. So that I kind of thought it might might be there somewhere. The warrior, I kind of guessed, would kind of be that. But you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you you guess what you think somebody is, but when they do the sparker type, and it's really accurate. Nobody that I put through it says that it's not absolutely nailing them. You know, you sometimes you don't get it right. And then when you really understand what makes people tick, particularly if you've got a team of people around you, you can really talk to them in a way that's appropriate. But there is no point in me talking to my operations manager uh, in flowery language and lots of love and hugs and all of that. Right. She doesn't respond to that. She's <laughs> like, I want to process, you know, just break, give me the information that I need and I'll get the job done. That makes her happy. You know, whereas I have another person that's in my team who is very people focused and, you know, she likes the hug. She likes the, you know, you've done a great job Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so they're very different people. And I know from having seen their sparker type, what lights them up. So I know what to, you know, give them more of, and I know what to not to dump on them as well. Right. Awesome. (laughs) Great. (laughs) This has been an awesome conversation. Um, I am super excited. I'm going to have to have you back so that we can uh, go deeper on a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, but let's do the, uh, the three little lightning round questions here about yeah. what book would you recommend that everyone reads? Yeah, I've got it here. This is by a woman here in Australia called Lynn Kazali. I love her. It's a book called Ish. It's the problem with our pursuit of perfection. Uh, I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of time procrastinating about stuff that I yep. uh, that I want to be perfect before I release it into the world. Uh, but when I learned that, like, you can actually, like, most people wouldn't even know that it's not perfect in your mind. Like, you just, sometimes you just got to get stuff done and just be good enough. And good enough in most of our worlds is exceptional. Like, you know, it's great. I used to write a lot of blogs and people used to tell me about spelling Mm. mistakes. I'm like, you know, how many (laughs) books did you write this week? Okay. (laughs) You know, right. So it was good enough. And the content, I said, did you like the content? Yeah, the content was great, but you had, you you misspelled one word. I'm like, 
but I did it, right? Move on. So mm. good enough is like one spelling mistake in a blog that my pedantic English yeah. friend calls me up and says I spelt wrong. I'm not going to lose it over that. So <laughs> I really love that book. It gives you permission to like live good enough. And, you know, with with stuff that's going on these days, sometimes good enough is as is, is as good as you ever need to be. Right. Awesome. I love it. Um, hey, what is next for you professionally? Right. Well, so the book, I'm really, I'm really right into the book at the moment, <clears throat> the, the Busy Myth Busted. I'm hoping to have that out this year. Uh, so I'm, and I'm also creating a keynote around that because I'm really passionate about people being released from the, the busy myth because I think it drags a lot of people down and I think I, I want to release people from that, that need to be busy. Right. Awesome. Um, and then last question, where can people find you? Yes. So I have a website, braithbamkin.com. So it's B-R-A-I-T-H-B-A-M-K-I-N.com. You will find me there. You'll find, uh, you can book me for speaking gigs. I'm doing a bit of um, virtual speaking these days. Seems to be a thing in America. People are getting me in for virtual yeah. conferences, which is pretty cool uh, or from across the world. Uh, you can get a whole pile of free stuff on there. I love, I love giving away free stuff. So there's a really cool little free course people can do on uh, how to become referral ready today. So yeah, lots of free mm. stuff on there. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, again, thank you for joining me, Bray. Uh, we will have to do this again soon. Legendary. Thanks, mate. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.